0: Hello and welcome to Cinema to the Letter. This episode, it's that new film known as Another Round. Them to the letter we break down the very nature of cinema letter by letter for each episode of a film in the series topic we cover six films that fit a c for classic i for indie and for new e for egregious m for masterpiece and a for atypical because who doesn't love an acronym am i right i am thomas and i'll tell you when i've had enough <laughs> oh hello i am brian
1: and i think i would do really well in the uh, in the lake race <laughs> Personally,
0: <laughs> I mean, look, we all we all tried at some point, you know. You just running gotta,
1: around a lake with, uh, right, well,
0: like six other people. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, but welcome everybody uh, to Cinema to the Letter, where uh, we are reaching the midway point of our uh, Oscar season, our one one Oscar season specifically, and uh, we're about to talk about a very interesting movie from a very odd year in terms of especially Oscar history because this is the second film we've done from 2020 specifically uh, because we did Tenet oh we did we did do Tenet yeah right yes so we're kind of like going back on this year and you know it's sometimes hard to go back to 2020 for a variety of reasons
1: what uh, what was going on
0: Uh, I mean (laughs) you know so much really when you think about it like Parasite won best picture earlier that year god yeah it did feels like it was like 30 years ago (laughs) (laughs) truly like many people say that was the last good thing and i tend to agree that was like the last good thing that happened (laughs) right before it all came crumbling (laughs) apart um but of course uh 2020 the actual uh year uh in terms of like oscar stuff would be the following april and have that weird kind of mix where that was the oscars where it was like both 2020 and 2021 were kind of applicable like for up to like what, February of 2021, I think. Yeah, I still find it quite frustrating because there's movies like
1: um, uh, Minari, as well as um, Judas and the Black Messiah, which are like they're 2021 films, but they counted for 20 for the 2020 Oscars. Which I get it; it was you know a difficult time for like you know there were there weren't that many movies as 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 much as you would normally get in a normal year. But I, I still kind of find it a bit a bit frustrating. But you know, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, and I mean this is this is the Nomadland year, and the year where they were at the train station, which uh, was interesting because I still maintain before that ending, I think it was an interesting <laughs> Oscars, not like a great Oscars, but not like the worst Oscars I had seen up to that point. And I would figure you might defend it, Brian, because your boy Steven Soderbergh produced that Oscars. He did. Yeah, that was. I I, I also agree.
1: I, I think that it was mostly an a decent show it was very casual i remember like the the room they were in was like a pretty like you know very nice room and like the vibe right it was kinda- the it was a
0: train station which was very unique because it was like big and open air so they right. kind of like walk around and there was the whole like floating camera thing which i found interesting where like they would announce the nominees and they would have like a big one-shot Of like focusing on the different people, which I thought was interesting. Um, There were some things I wish we would kind of taken from that Oscars and continued forth with.
1: Was this also the year that Questlove was doing like DJing?
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's what I remember as well. I remember (laughs) that mainly because everyone, whenever they think about this Oscars, always will go back to Walking Phoenix awkwardly (gasps) announcing that Anthony Hopkins won and couldn't be here that night. And they cut immediately to Questlove, like, "Ah, oh, hey everybody! Well, I hope you had a fun time." Good night, yeah. <laughs> Very weird
1: moment, which, yeah, I mean, that—that's a whole other situation. But
0: um, also weird realizing that that guy went from DJing the Oscars to winning an Oscar. The following that's true. year, true. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he—he's great. I mean, we—we we love Questlove. Um, <laughs> right, everyone's favorite uncle who really likes music. The uncle who <laughs> turns you on to like your favorite bands, basically
1: we were deciding what to do for this one. And right, uh, we, uh, there's a few movies from 2020 that, like, you know, no offense to Nomadland, I, I, I liked that movie, but, like, I haven't really thought about it since it won Best Picture. And, like, I, which can happen with a lot of Best Picture winners. But, like, this movie in particular was kind of one of these ones that really kind of stuck around and has stuck with me personally. And I know I think you kind of feel the same way.
0: Yeah, because a uh, shout out to uh, Rafe Telstra's show, Have Not Seen This, uh, which hasn't released a new episode in quite a while, but that was the first year I started doing like his Oscar special thing, where mm-hmm. I would get together with him and Mel Gore and Emily Slade, and we would uh, just talk about like the big nominees, and so this was like the first year I remember like really like just filling out every single category. I tend to do that in general, but there will always be one or two I f- don't watch, and I'm like, oh, whatever, it's fine. Doesn't matter to me, but that was the first year where I kind of like act- actively tried to like watch everything, and it was fascinating just going through because I think that's I would argue the most mixed bag of the Oscars we've gotten like since where it's like a bit. I I would say there's like a fair amount of like interesting winners like this movie um, even Anthony Hopkins for the Father I think is a very interesting win um, and then I still haven't just, seen that movie I should have I should see it. Um... I mean, it's a, it's a laugh riot. Can we? <laughs> it's it basically just treats dementia as like a horror movie. Um, oh, God. Okay. Um So, like, you'll have, like, interesting wins like that, and then you'll have just la- nominees, like, I would still say of the various bad nominees that year, like, Trial of the Chicago 7 was the one that truly pissed me off. Because it's just, like, the most oscar bullshit to me. It is.
1: Still not a horrible movie. Not as bad as his next movie i think
0: um oh well that's true yes look being the <laughs> ricardos is a step down sadly um yeah. though at the same time i would argue like as much as i love a good comedic actor does like a dramatic performance sasha baron cohen like that that whole performance of abby hoffman is fucking awful and i'm it's, so baffled they got nominated for that it's a weird performance
1: i do think Yahya abdul mateen the second is very good in that movie and is kind of like I think a few of the performances in that movie are kind of what's holding it up. And, and, and you know, Aaron Sorkin is a pretty good writer, but I think he just shouldn't direct.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. honestly, the most interesting thing about that being nominated that year was it kind of acted as, like, the Darkest Hour and Dunkirk thing from a couple of years prior, where it was sure. like this and Juice and the Black Messiah, like, they right. reference each other's events, and it's like, cinematic universe of real history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love Judas and the Black Messiah, though. That's a that's a really phenomenal movie, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. Kaluuya was worthy of winning that yeah. one, for sure. Um, but yeah, so the thing is, with this Oscars, like you kind of mentioned, like, uh, with our new position for any season, we were kind of racking our brains about, like, what is a good movie from, like, the last couple Oscars that mm-hmm. we can kind of talk about? Um, and I think with Another Round, that one felt truly like the biggest surprise, especially considering it won Best International Film, which we should note, the first winner of... The titled International Film Oscar—a much better title for the category, <laughs> as opposed to Foreign Language.
1: Yeah, which ugh, just kind of every time I like think about it or say it, it just kind of like leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Which, ugh. but International Film is a is a much better title, and you know, it's it's international. We are kind of go, taking films from around the world,
0: not just like Foreign Language, which you know. <laughs> A bit xenophobic. A touch yeah. xenophobic perhaps. Yeah. Um, but at the same time it was also nominated for best director for Thomas yes. Vinterberg, which is one of those great examples to me of just like a weird director nom that comes almost out of the blue. Where it's yeah. just like, oh, it's not part of like the best picture slate, but it just shows that like somebody did that exceptional a job in like one not one of the front runner main movies. I love when it happened
1: when like the a kind of international film director will get nominated for that i think like Quarone got one for roma i think well yeah he and won because
0: that was like he, he won second right? win after gravity and stuff yeah
1: yeah so it, it is kind of nice when like even though the movie wasn't included in like the nominees still they're acknowledging like but but this movie like this guy fucking did a great job with it we have to acknowledge him
0: somehow and I'm curious, because you apparently, um, we both uh, obviously tend to watch things that are related in the lead up to the episode. Um, mm-hmm. I noticed you were watching a couple of Winterbergs in your own right.
1: I did, yeah, because I had, um, I-, I was a bit familiar with him already before we kind of a- agreed to this. And I had even seen Another Round because I had seen um, the film The Hunt, which we- we'll get to in a second, of course. But um, And I've also seen uh, his film Far From the Madding Crowd. With Carey Mulligan and right. Matthias Schönart which is pretty good, actually. But um,
0: I believe, is that his only English language movie, right?
1: I believe so, yeah. Yes, I watched um, what is, I, I believe, his first film, I'm not entirely sure, called The Celebration, uh, which is part of the whole Dogma 95 thing. I don't know how much you want to dive into this whole thing, but... Well, I mean, explain it for the the people, in case they aren't Uh, aware of what Dogma 95 is. So, basically, it was this kind of collective of... I believe they were all Danish filmmakers, uh, the most notable of which is Tomas Vinterberg and Lars von Trier. Uh, And it was basically this kind of list of principles, slash rules of making a movie uh, that they wanted to follow, and a lot of them don't follow those rules. Like even the the, the films that Lars von Trier made don't follow like the exact dogma exactly. But, uh, the celebration is this, that movie. Um, it's a movie that's shot with like those early, early digital cameras. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, but it is a movie that, uh, was released in 1988 and it is about this family coming together at this manner basically to celebrate the father's uh 60th birthday and it is a movie about a very fucked up family and uh things are revealed it is this very very interesting portrait of this very fucked up family um it is phenomenal i i I had heard about it for like a few years because it's it's dogma number one like it's the very first movie in this kind of like dogma 95 uh collection
0: i guess right the one that if you pick up the criterion it's literally just like a leaflet in a clear case and then the two discs yes basically (laughs) which Um, is a very like the commitment to the bid i appreciate yeah but it's a phenomenal movie like a really really incredible
1: movie that kind of really knocked me like knocked my socks off a bit like and it's you know the, the look of it of course is like that early digital it's shot by um anthony dodd mantle who i think people might know from like he shot a few Danny Boyle films and like mm-hmm. you know stuff like that but um yeah so i watched that movie which is incredible i would it is not my recommendation but i i'm going to just recommend anyone watch that movie it's really really incredible and then i also watched uh what i guess is um yeah the movie he made before another round which is called Kursk uh which is about the uh Kursk submarine uh in the year 2000 that had a uh, exploded and it, it's an okay movie um okay it, it, it's kind of a um i only compare it to the hunt for red october because it's on a submarine and it's kind of an action th- drama thriller kind of thing you know it's got like matthias schoenartz Leia seydoux is in it uh colin firth great kind of small role by max von seydoux it's a bit boring to be honest mm. um it, it could use a bit of like hunt for red october energy to be honest of just like pumping some life into it but it's not a bad little movie but um yeah and then of course i have seen and i know i know that you watched uh his movie the
0: hunt which yes. i did not revisit because it is a very upsetting movie uh, which i was not aware of the premise of the hunt at all all i yeah. knew about the hunt was just like that poster which admittingly <laughs> i was kind of like oh that's such a great poster i wonder like did they just get mad alone for this and then you see the shot in the movie And it's like, fuck yeah, this is great. But basically, if you're unaware, it's a movie about Makelson who plays this guy who initially was teaching at, like, a middle school or, like, a high school. But the school closed, so now he's uh, moved to working at a kindergarten. And, you know, he's, like, in his 40s, and he's estranged from his wife, and he's trying to get custody of his son. Um, And then uh, he also has sort of a friendship with this little neighbor girl who is in his kindergarten class, um and they walk around you know back and forth from home to school all the time because their parents are a bit distant and he's buddies with his with the the uh, father who is a uh, Thomas Bo Larson, right is that guy yes yes he is also in the
1: celebration and in in another round he plays um the biggest piece of shit in the celebration oh uh, okay <laughs> he's very like i in the very first scene of the movie um his brother like the main character is walking down like a street to the manor and he's in the car with his wife and kids and he sees like, Oh, that's my brother. Let's pick him up. And then he kicks his wife and kids out of the car so that his brother can <laughs> ride in there. <laughs> and that is not the worst thing he does in the
0: movie. I will say oh, that much. Boy. He's well. yeah. Um, but go on. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, um, uh, at a certain point, uh, while he's, you know, trying to teach the class or like, well, the kids, uh, the little girl uh, ends up kissing him on the lips and then gives him a little heart in a little uh, package, a little envelope. And he's like, you, you shouldn't do that. This isn't something that like, we should do. We're like, firmly establishing boundaries of what you can do. So uh, later on, she ends up uh, saying something out of the blue to one of the other kindergarten teachers uh, that potentially implies Mads uh, may have done something horrible, uh, which we do not see. Because, obviously, it's like it's a weird kind of thing. Especially watching it now. You know, this movie yeah, came out in 2012. It mm-hmm. is a curiosity. When I found out that was the premise of this, I became immediately uneasy. And I'm like, okay, how, how is this going to work out? And I think they do a really great job of firmly, like, establishing this is a very odd situation. Uh, as opposed to, like, this is, like, the constant reality kind of thing. Um, but But, yeah, I think it's a fascinating little drama that, also really does a great job, like, with these two movies of his that I've seen. I've only seen these two. Um, He does such a fascinating job of building a kind of rapport between people that makes it feel truly lived in. Like, you're Mm -hmm. popping in on, like, a situation that's, like, been around for, like, you know, at least a couple years in the hunt, or in this particular case, uh, well, for a year within the hunt, but also with, like, another round. Like, these guys who we hang out with, like, they have been bros for ever yeah and it just feels like you're instantly a part of that friend group
1: yeah he's very good at i will say uh kind of bringing you into a a, a character a group of characters lives um i mean the celebration is literally that like you are just getting invited to this family and just kind of like finding things out about them and just kind of like it slowly kind of unraveling what this family is and even like kursk a movie i think is okay it has a lot of great like character moments at the beginning and it has a lot of great beats in there um but yes he's he's very good at
0: kind of writing characters and doing all of that stuff as he of course did with another round which let's just play the trailer now for another round
1: Jamen, jeg har lyst til at starte aftenen med lidt champagne. Det lyder dejligt. Øh, jeg er i bil, jeg skal bare have en dansk mand, øh, uden citrus. Uden citrus, jeg, ja. Ja. F, det er godt, det er. Ja, det er sgu synd, du er så fornuftig. Ja. Men spørgsmålet er, hvad der i virkeligheden er fornuftig? Der findes en, en norsk filosof, han øh, mener, at mennesket er født med en halv promille for lidt. Altså, jeg må sige, jeg kunne da godt kunne bruge en halv promille sådan på daglig basis for at få lidt mere selvtillid. Det har vi alle sammen brug for. Det er du da også brug for. Jeg synes, det er spændende.
0: So, did, did we go. so, another round came out in 2020, as we mentioned, uh, September 24th, 2020 in Denmark.
1: Yeah, I know it was supposed to have its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. It was uh, right, which already got selected. Yes, got Cannes sold. Um <sighs> so
0: sorry. So good. No. Don't apologize turning the episode like off now <laughs> <laughs> we got your download it's fine um. um yes but it was it was selected for
1: the Cannes film festival and then it eventually had its premiere at, at the toronto international film festival right but the I'm digital
0: Not- toronto international film festival yeah right which side note it that was very interesting where technically the only time i've ever been to sundance was when they were doing like the sundance in 2021 kind of thing during the pandemic and it is fascinating how like i'm friends with a bunch of people who are like film cred who um were able to get access to stuff like the tiff titles or sundance or any of these other things in a way that has really disappeared since 2020 it's one of the few movie related things in particular 2020 that feel like it's been missing like that sort Mm -hmm. of access i wish that was like still more viable because now film festivals will kind of put out screeners digitally but only for like smaller things anyway it's a shame sure. that we can't have a bit more of that like accessibility anymore like that's how i was able to see Land in like november of 2020 was oh, okay. like through it was a uh, I i think it was the new york i forgot which theater it is but it was like one of the the like the new york uh art center i believe oh like lincoln, lincoln screen- center the oh, lincoln yeah. center yes god yeah oh, so cultured <laughs> Uh, clearly, but yeah, the Lincoln Center was uh, putting out the like those screeners, and yeah, I do kind of miss that element of it.
1: Yeah, it was also this weird thing in like 2020 where like we don't live in like New York or LA, and I, f- I feel like releases can often take a while to get to us. And one of the kind of obviously I, I I love movie theaters, I love movies being in theaters, but especially during this year, it was nice to see a lot of these movies, these kind of awards movies that typically like you know would come out like months later for where we are uh it was great kind of great to see them like a bit earlier just because they were put on like you know vod and streaming and stuff like that
0: as another round was by the time of like early 2021 was when it first hit hulu where as of this recording it still remains and uh basically if you're unaware of this movie which you might be because obviously the 2020 oscars probably weren't for (laughs) just considering how little the oscar movies are watched now Um, 2020 was, I guess, a particularly bad year for that. But um, with uh, this moving, it follows uh, these four teachers, uh, Martin, Tommy, Peter, and Nikolai, um, who are all, you know, in Copenhagen... Uh, teaching these kids, um, some of the kids have been uh, are a bit concerned about being able to like pass because of how strict sort of the grade guidelines are for the uh, colleges they're going to attend, and um, it's you know the stress is kind of building up for all these teachers as well with like the very stuff with their home lives. Like our Martin, played by Mads mickelson who I'm sure we're going to be talking about extensively. Oh man! <laughs> in, in a bit, <laughs> we got we got we go mad for Mads. Truly, he is like having a lot of issues with like opening up. To other people, especially like his wife and his family, he's felt kind of distant. And so all of them, you know, are kind of commiserating talking at like Tommy's, uh, or no, uh, I think it's Peter or Nikolai, Nikolai. uh, Yeah, his 40th uh, birthday. Right, his 40th birthday. And uh, at a certain point, he brings up like, well, you know, I've read this study that basically we should be at like a higher alcohol tolerance at a consistent level at 0.05% right that people right. people are
1: born like 0.05 percent under what they should be at and that if right.
0: you get to that level you can kind of function better <laughs> right based on this uh think piece that this guy read <laughs> this this feels right. like totally like the worst kind of like well actually
1: study show but it does feel like when you kind of like meet up with someone they're like yeah i read this study about how like you know and they sh- they just Tell you some like weird thing where you're like supposed to do, and
0: you're like, "What? What? What, what are you talking about?" But like a fun weird thing, not like yeah. a cue thing, which sure, immediately just like- turns this into like, "I'm leaving. <laughs> Goodbye." <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's just like, "Well, yeah, we should try and maintain 0.05 percent, which is roughly one to two, uh, like bottles of um, not bottles, one to two, uh, <laughs> one to two glasses of wine." Um, mm-hmm. Or just like a couple beers, basically, like maintain that throughout the day, and you'll be like more energized and you'll be looser and you'll be able to like really connect with people. And uh, so they all commit to that bit, and uh, for a little bit, it kind of works out for them. It, it does. does. Kind of like doing some interesting <laughs> things and stuff, but then uh, shockingly, uh, this might lead to alcoholism, which maybe we should even talk about this before we get into the movie. Uh, what's your relationship with alcohol? I mean, it's a weird relationship, I will say.
1: I, I have I have watched many people in my life, kind of just like family, who like drink a lot and mm-hmm. have gotten just like absolutely hammered. I don't drink that often, to be honest. I, I don't drink alcohol that often. Um, I'm a bit of a lightweight when it comes to alcohol. Like, I will have like half a beer
0: and I'm like kind of feeling it, you know, like... <laughs> um Don't worry, folks. Whenever we have a beer after a movie, I always make sure Brian's good to drive because he had, like, two sips, so I'm worried about him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but, um... But, look, I think this movie gets into, like, a lot of the good, bad, and ugly stuff of alcohol, right? And, like, part of what I think is so interesting about this movie is that it is not a movie that is hitting you over the head of, like, alcohol is bad, don't drink, it will ruin your life. Like, it's not a movie that's screaming that out at you.
0: It's not leaving Las Vegas. Right.
1: Yeah. But because, it, like, it works for them for a while, right? Like, they are, like, he becomes a better teacher, and, like, you want, like, honestly, like, as someone who, like, is recently in school, like, seems like a great professor when he is kind of drunk. <laughs> like, <laughs> very fun. Yeah, I, I, I think that this movie gets into all of that stuff, and... Yeah, I don't have a dangerous relationship with alcohol myself, other than, like, you know, I drink it every once in a while, and then I feel great, but, um, yeah, I don't know, (laughs) what about you?
0: Yeah, I have an interesting relationship with that, where my parents were never really drinkers, um, but I had been around, like, dad's friends, uh, who were much more, like, liable to drink, and even alcohol was always this thing that, like, I was a good boy as, like, a teenager, So it was like, I will abstain from any such things kind of deal until about college when I did take to drinking a bit more. I didn't have any ragers or anything. I'm not like these kids at the opening of another round necessarily (laughs) where I'm like fucking around with people on subways and shit. But um, yeah, at the same time, I've also kind of seen what you're talking about, like particularly with sort of friends who I maintain contact with from college. Some kind of like to drink a bit more than others and the older you get the more that can be a dangerous proposition the the most i ever got to like really drinking was during the pandemic kind of like around this sure. time mm-hmm. where there was just a certain point where i'm like i have to like have something every single night um and it got to a point especially i remember the one of only two times i've ever been blackout drunk was election night 2020 i think <laughs> fairly yeah, I think it, it was very fair. But um, at the same time, I I do hate that idea. Like, whenever that's happened, like I said, twice in my life, I always feel weird about it because like I've just completely forgotten everything about a certain chunk of time. Oh, okay. Right. A lot of my drunkest states. I still have, like, memories sure. of, like, weird moments and shit like that. But just being completely blackout drunk really was just, like, a weird thing for me whenever it's happened. So it's like, I don't want to ever get to that point again. So now, you know, I'll get a six-pack, like, you know, every one, two months. Just kind of, like, chill out with a beer when it's, like, been a really stressful day of work kind of deal. But, yeah, I've really kind of, like, backtracked on it. And it was very interesting, especially watching this movie, like, shortly after that point. I mean, as much as I kind of say,
1: like, I am a bit of a lightweight, like, it does not take a lot for me to get, like, buzzed or drunk or anything. I am very good at, like, holding my liquor. And I I don't think, I've only thrown up drunk like once and I've never like blacked out or anything like that when it comes to like watching this movie, at least even though this is a movie where like, it's not a alcohol good movie necessarily as our, as our guest Lily last week joked like alcohol good. Like, no, it's not really that kind of movie necessarily, but like it does make alcohol seem very enticing. And like it, it it gives you that feeling, especially if you haven't like had it in a while of like that very first sip of alcohol you have and just like the buzz you get this movie like, really captures that in a way that I found very interesting. They also drink white wine in this, which is not my preference, by the way. I'm a, I'm a red wine person, personally.
0: I agree. Concur with red wine. Thank you. Oh, finally, someone else. <laughs> Fuck that Chardonnay. Yeah. Merlot. That's right, Paul Giamatti in Sideways. <laughs> I don't know. This movie, I think, is very interesting when it comes to
1: what it kind of has to say about alcohol. And... How I don't think, and this is the thing I think Thomas Binterberg is very good at, is not really hitting you over the head with the messaging of the movie. He sort of just lays it out for you, which is kind of the thing I remember about like The Hunt, whereas obviously that movie has a lot of messages going on, but I don't think it's very explicit about it necessarily, and more it is kind of just depicting what this is like for these people.
0: It's not very cut and dry. It just kind of tries to examine the situation for... For what it is, which I do find fascinating, especially with, like, between The Hunt and this. I think he does such a great job of making movies that, not to sound too pretentious, but do feel just like life. You're really engrossed in the situation. And like I said, there's that point when they're talking about the whole, um, you know, keeping yourself at 0.05%. Um, I love the fact that that just does feel like a real sort of friendship back-and-forth dinner conversation, where there's, like, that's bullshit. I don't know, man. uh, He has all the scientific research, and I think it makes sense. And, you know, how they kind of grow to realize, like, you know what? Yeah. Fuck it. We're very sad (laughs) and very middle-aged. Let's do it. Well, that, I mean, that scene where, like, they're all at the
1: dinner is so, is so great because of all that stuff. But also, like, the mads in that scene is so great because he's like he's the only one like not drinking he's like i'm driving i'm just gonna have a soda like it's fine and then they bring they keep like bringing out like they have like a white wine and then they have like a oh champagne and like a red wine and stuff and like he has like the two glasses and he's like we'll get to mads in in, like one second but like his like look where he starts like he's his eyes start watering and he's just like thinking Mm -hmm. about just all of just his life and just his like his state in life, and he just downs, like, three, like, glasses of wine in, like, a minute. Um, Yeah, I mean, it it is, like, that thing I was talking about earlier of just, like, that, just having alcohol when you haven't had it in a while, and you're just, like, almost like this, like, "Eh, fuck it, like, just drinking, like, kind of thing. But, uh, should should we get to Mads? Should we talk about Mads for a minute? Mads Corner.
0: You know, let's do it. So, I'm curious what your first Mads is, because I think I have a more traditional one, uh, which is Casino Royale. I don't think that was the
1: first time I ever saw him, to be honest. Okay. The first time I ever saw him, I think, might have been maybe Rogue One and, like, Doctor Strange, right? Because those are the, kind of the, the, the same year, 2016. Yes. So I think I saw I saw him in those, and then, of course, yeah, Casino Royale, which I think he's one of the best Bond villains ever, I I would say. Would would you agree with that?
0: I mean, it's especially interesting considering that with that movie, they do kind of, like, pull the rug from under you with him. Right. Mm Because he dies fairly early into the movie by, like, comparison to what you would... Or, no, wait, did he... Or did he get murdered in Quantum of Solace? No, he dies in... I think he dies in Casino Royale.
1: Okay. Right. Well, now I want to fact-check myself.
0: Um, Um, I have his phone... He doesn't have a credit for Quantum of Solace, so I'm going to say it's Casino Royale. (laughs) yeah I'm, I'm trying to remember how he dies though in casino royale i mean he just gets like kind of shot
1: like oh right well it's during the torture scene right and like someone comes in and, like shoots him
0: yes right okay yes i remember now which i mean right but the, yeah that ball torture you're talking about though that's yes, like the big thing <laughs> for like that makes him work so well where it's just like oh I'm gonna like torture Bond but not in the you know oh there's no laser coming up to his crutch like no Mr. Bond I expect you to die it's like I'm gonna fucking whip you in the balls he's just like
1: the like the simplest tortures are often the most effective or something like that and it's just like I mean there's a thing about him where he is so hot I must say like incredibly handsome and yet and I think this is because he's I love Scandinavian people, but just because he's Danish, he's very menacing looking, and he's very scary, and he can really ha- like he's he's a great villain. He's I think he's a pretty good villain in Doctor Strange. I think he's
0: very good in, a um,
1: uh, Dial of Destiny, which I don't really love that much, but I think he's
0: very good in it. He's got a perfect casting for that. I mean, even I'll say you know we don't like to talk about this franchise, but he's easily the best Grindelwald as Grindelwald performance.
1: I, I was going I just. Ha- I haven't seen the secrets of Dumbledore yet. I don't know. I don't oh, know what? The no secrets. one. You didn't
0: see that? <laughs> Shocking. Did, <No. laughs> along with a lot of other people who didn't see it. <laughs> um, but but yeah. I mean, I remember still the second time I would have seen would have probably been when I of course we haven't mentioned it yet but fucking Hannibal. Um, the first time. Oh my gosh. Okay, I ever exactly, saw yeah. Hannibal was like the first time I like had seen him. I think post Casino Royale, and I was like, oh, wow. Uh, this guy is somehow more menacing without like, the weird like eye that has like <laughs> yeah. the scar on it and everything. The fascinating thing about Hannibal was I, st- I still remember around that time, and I was along with the chorus of just like, why are we doing a fucking Hannibal TV show? This feels like a dumb idea. It's this was very early in sort of the years. golden age of television mm-hmm. kind of renaissance thing. Um, and uh, it truly blew me away. Um, and it's, I still think, like, a very fascinating sort of way of taking such familiar material and truly making it feel whole and unique. Yeah. And it's kind of the perfect marriage of him being, like, incredibly charming
1: and incredibly handsome, and also there is just that, that menace to him. And, like, he, he's, I don't know how he does this, but he, like, especially in Hannibal, like, really dials it up or down, like, how menacing he is versus how, like, much you're just kind of, like charmed by this guy um and i yeah and of course we haven't mentioned what i'm sure is his you know his most famous credit which is the rihanna bitch better have my money music video <laughs> which true of course, very true we all remember Do you, have, have you heard the quote that he said about why he did that that music video refresh my memory on it was so his like daughters i believe Like, he had told them about being in this Rihanna music video, and they, like, yelled at him, like, you fucking idiot! Like, do it! Why are you- what are you doing? It's Rihanna! (laughs) And there's this really great interview around the time of, like, Rogue One, where, like, it's him and Ben Mendelsohn doing, like, a- like, the interview junket kind of thing. And someone, like, asked Ben Mendelsohn, like, oh, like, how jealous are you that uh, Mads was in Rihanna's, like, bitch-better-have-my-money music video? And Ben's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know. And Mads is just like, yeah. And he has this, like, really satisfied grin on his face. And he goes like, I was the bitch. (laughs) It's
0: just. (laughs) What I find so fascinating about him is that he is very handsome, like you mentioned earlier. He's very hot, but also he feels very uniquely hot. Mads just feels like he came from a different fucking universe. And he (laughs) arrived here. Just happened to land in... Uh, you know in the Danish country and uh, yeah it's fascinating especially like how like handsome and unsettling can be but also how even funny he could be like by doing nothing like on Hannibal there are so many points where they just do the cheeky thing of like oh I'm having friends over for dinner and he would just look he's just like I'm so satisfied with this fucking bit I just did and that's the thing he has like I think it's only like his unique face could kind of like display all that as well as yes it I mean what a face like he,
1: he's a really wonderful actor and like I feel like again like he is very striking looking and I think that that uh, like a lot of people kind of like you see him once and you're just like oh I, I know this guy like you he's very distinctive looking and I think a lot of people you know they know of they know of him from his like menacing side and or of like you know him being Hannibal and being like terrifying or whatever um, or from the masterpiece video game death stranding which he's great in i think um or of course you've seen hideo kojima tweet like five million (laughs) times a day pictures of him or whatever but um what, what i love so much about his performance in another round which might be my favorite lead performance of 2020 is that like there's not a lot of him being scary or charming necessarily like it is like this character is a bit I say pathetic, but, you know, only because, like, he is very dejected, he's very, like, disinterested in his, like, work, he's very depressed and, like, down and whatever, and it's a very restrained performance in a lot of ways, and it's a very great, just dramatic performance, which, like, you know, again, like, Dial of Destiny, he's great, I'm sure he's probably the best part of Secrets of Dumbledore, but again, that feels like the movies are more kind of using his persona that he's been putting out there for years. And it's really great when he gets to work with, like, Vinterberg, who he's, like, worked with before, of course, like, on something like this, where he gets to
0: flex a bit more of his dramatic muscles, which is always great to see. What well, I think is what's interesting is, like, that's the guy that we get, at least at the very beginning of this movie. And then right. he almost has a sort of, like, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde transformation over the course of this movie, with, right. like, the various different personas. I think this is, like, the best showcase, I think, for every single flavor of Mads, really. Yeah. It's a true Mads board, if you will. And... Yeah. Yeah, because, like, he gets to be, like you mentioned, like, so downtrodden. That scene where he's crying at the dinner table, I agree. Ugh. It's, like, such a beautiful... And it's, like, all one shot, basically, of him, like, really tearing up. Yeah. Uh, but then... Later on, when, like, right after that scene, I think, is when, like, they're all drunkenly dancing around the first time. And he's doing yeah. that weird, like, sidewalk where he's kind of flossing. Oh, my God, yeah. it's so funny. Yeah. And, like, and, and when he kind of, like, when he
1: drinks and starts, like, teaching and he kind of, like, really opens up when he's doing the whole, like, who, would, who of these three people would you vote for? And he kind of, like, it's oh, doing that whole yes. thing. Yeah, he's just so charming. And you're just, like, so like, entranced by this guy because he is so compelling and you just want to, like, listen to him and watch him, like, do whatever
0: He, he and- almost convinces you that Winston Churchill was a cool dude Yes yeah, As
1: exactly.
0: as we, of course, saw in The Darkest Hour or as I prefer to call of it, course. Big Mama's House for Churchill's In Session <laughs> Maybe the funniest thing I've ever come mm. up with <laughs> I don't see that likely. That'll good. be on my tombstone <laughs>
1: Yeah. And like, uh, and he, d- he does get like a couple of scenes where he is a bit scary. Like when he's like when uh, at the dinner table with his like wife, when he like throws all the, the glasses and the dishes and everything, like yeah. that's a scene where I'm like, Oh right. Like he can really like go, you know, big and like scary
0: if he wants to, if he needs to. And you know, a big thing with this movie for all the performers here, but I would say in particular meds, um, drunk acting is infamously hard yeah. to nail. There are so many times where you watch somebody act drunk in a movie or a TV show, and it's like, what what the hell is this? Like, the weird thing where Nicolas Cage won his Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas, which I referenced earlier, and his whole thing was like, oh, I just taped myself drunk and then did that, which you can imagine Nicolas Cage doing Nicolas Cage drunk is sure. not quite like everybody else, <laughs> perhaps. What? Are you saying no.
1: Nicolas Cage is not like most other people?
0: <laughs> no very normal, chill dude. So, it's hard to really, like, get drunk acting right, but I think what Mads does so well, and everybody else in this cast, like I said, does so well, is truly convey, like, the whole you're drunk, but you're trying to act sober thing. Like, that's, like, another infinitesimal, hard version of drunk, and they all do it so beautifully in this movie.
1: Well, and, like, obviously, like, they're drunk for a lot of the movie, but it's not even that they are drunk it's it's that kind of thing of like you're buzzed yes. You're kind of in between buzzed and drunk and that's a very like that's so difficult to like act i i assume and mads especially during all those scenes where he's like teaching like all the teachers of course like when they're all kind of like in their mojo and whatever mm-hmm. it's such a great representation of that like that zone of like in between buzzed and drunk where you're just like very loose but not like blabbering and like you know slurring and everything it, yeah it is one of the things that makes these performances i think so great and so like difficult and interesting to to kind of look at in this movie
0: yeah um which you know, i think that's a solid transition like who is your favorite of the uh, other three guys i'll shout out their their names we mentioned thomas bo Larson. Um, and Magnus Melange, but also uh, Lars Ranth as Peter. Um, I think the, the four of them are so phenomenal, but who would you say is your favorite of the supporting sort of ensemble?
1: Oh, man. I like I liked Tommy, um, mainly because I, I was watching this, and I was like, oh, it's the guy from The Celebration. And But like, I think he has, obviously like where his plotline goes is very upsetting and very, like... Uh, one of the more kind of like heartbreaking things about the movie and kind of thematically of course, but I I love just seeing him like with the, with the kid, like with the, the specs as they call him, like just seeing their like interactions, (laughs) just the way that he's kind of like, he's clearly drunk. So he's like, you know, kind of like very buddy buddy with, with him. But like, there is kind of a genuine, like caring there for him. Like he's really kind of trying to look out for him and then when, like, he scores the goal, and, like, he, it's such a great, like, moment. Um, but also, I, I just like him because I think he's the most, obviously, for where his where he, he ends up, of course,
0: but, like, his is the most depressing. <laughs> but who's your MVP? Um, I gotta say, for me, it's uh, Magnus Melange. I think because, like, he mm-hmm. has the particular kind of thing where we obviously, what you're talking about with Bo Larson is more kind of like the tragic side of this. Versus Nikolai as a character gets the best example sort of like the most embarrassing, I think, kind of downfall. Yeah. With like him peeing in that bed, which is such a good payoff to the whole like earlier on the kids. Like he keeps saying like, oh, they pee all over my bed. The one (laughs) kid just like sleeping on top of him on the couch, which is like such a good scene, especially of like an awkward father son moment where just like he screams. and It's like, no, you're going to wake up, everybody. What are you doing? He's like, I, and then by the time he actually pees in the bed, it's uh, it is truly like the most pathetic. Like, oh man, this is like the least dignified anyone's looked here. He, he's really great.
1: I, I will say, that. I love that he's the one treating it like it's this like experiment, the scientific method. Like he's
0: typing it all out and everything. By the way, I love how this movie uses typing here, where it's just yes. its intertitles is, like, almost feels like a silent movie thing. Like, oh, my God, why don't we just do this more often? Not just, like, bubbled-up text messages (laughs) or whatever. Do this. Yeah. What you've gotten, like, that scene where, like, he pees in the bed
1: and, like, him and his wife have that, like, argument. You you read, like, the synopsis for this movie of, like, oh, it's these four guys who are staying at, like, a low alcohol level. You know, they're drinking, whatever. And you're like, oh, that sounds kind of, like, interesting, kind of fun, whatever. Like, and... Before I had seen this movie, I thought, like, oh, this is going to be a movie that kind of, like, hammers down that message of, like, alcohol is bad, and it's going to, like, ruin their lives, whatever, etc. And it's it's not necessarily that, but I think what it reveals is, like, yes, it's a movie about these four guys, like, doing this fun, dumb experiment that sounds kind of, like, you, you, you hear about it for the first time, and you're like, oh, that sounds interesting. Um, but it very quickly I think reveals itself to be a movie about toxic masculinity and these four guys who are using this as like this almost like escape to not acknowledge like their personal lives and not wanting to engage in their everyday lives with their families and and, and their jobs and all that
0: stuff. In a sober state
1: to any degree. Right. And I think that scene really like is great at that, at showing like the very ugly side of that where like they have that just massive argument and he's just left like laying on the ground.
0: But we should also shout out Lars as Peter, who I think especially he's the one that feels the most like a teacher I would have had for sure because right. especially like his relationship with uh, his, his sort of um his mentorship of that one kid
1: who's uh, really Sebastian. like trying to
0: take the test, Yeah, Sebastian, yes. Which I love how the kids they start our movie. They there are opening uh, sequence is them, like, fucking around, getting drunk, um, which I guess I, I wasn't aware, really, of, like, the sort of Copenhagen's policy on a high schooler can drink freely until it becomes too much of a problem. Yeah, I looked up the age of drinking in Denmark, and I think it's, like, it was
1: 16 for, like, buying it in a shop and 18 for going to a bar
0: or, like, a restaurant. Any Danish people out there, please correct me, but um, that's what Google... Yeah, Google to our be. Danish listeners, <laughs> please... <laughs> That kinship, I think, feels, like, really authentic. Um, and especially mm-hmm. the, the whole fact that the twist of this... Like, when I, I... I had forgotten about the subplot, basically, before I rewatched it. And I was kind of worried, like, oh, wait. Is is this going to be, like, another tragic angle I forgot about? Like, this kid's going to get sloshed and, like, ruined his future or whatever. And, uh... Now I had, like, a couple sips that stayed his nerves and then he was able to do his fucking exam well. This is the thing about th- this movie, I think, which is, like...
1: It, it is a movie very much about, like, yeah, alcohol can help. Like, it does. Like, you know, like, not to, you know, but it 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 helps them. Like, it genuinely does. Like, they are better teachers, they're better, like, in their personal lives and everything, and yet, like, there is that angle of, like, but it will also, like, if you continue, it, not only will it lead to, like, alcoholism, but it will just lead to everyone around you just kind of hating you and, like, being kind of repelled by you because you're fucking drunk all
0: the time. Right. I think it's a movie It's a very big proponent of uh, moderation, which is, like, you know, just the healthy way of, like, you can still drink on occasion or, like, on a night where you don't have any responsibilities, anything like that. You can just, like, chill out and have a drink. Just all the difference in the world between, like, that kind of moderation and, like, the reliance on it. Like, where it really is a movie about, like, that specific angle of addiction that is just, like, it's a habit thing. That it's, like, you just keep up a certain thing. Especially that, that moment where they switch over from, like, you know what? Maybe we should go a bit higher than .05. Like, that's the moment where it becomes, like, oh, now it's just alcoholism.
1: <laughs> right. Really. At, they even, like, I mean, I think at some point when they're in, like, the, the office, like, where they're all, like, meeting. And they're, like are we alcoholics? And the guy's like, no, we're not alcoholics because we we choose when we're drinking. Alcoholics, like, you know, can't, like, help themselves, that kind of thing, which is what they say. Total alcohol logic, (laughs) yeah. But, like, yes, but, like, where it leads up to where it's that, like, the really bad night where they go out and they're at the bar and, like, they're, like, Mads is, like, on top of the bar and, like, falls onto the crowd and everything. Like, that is just, like, the part where it's like, oh, these guys are just, they're just, drunks like they're just really drunk guys who you know but i i do love the kind of angle of this movie of of just having the school kids obviously like the beginning is them like drinking and like tying the they tie the 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 cop to the bar which is kind of funny actually (laughs) and and i don't i don't know how much of this is like true or whatever but there's that line that his wife says um anika who's like you know everyone in this country drinks like so much right and like this that idea of like alcohol being so pervasive and being passed on to, like, the next generation almost, which is, like, just a bit, like, scary, kind of looking at the the, the more tragic elements of this movie. But also, I, I love just the kind of contrast where it's these kids who are very excited about, like, their future, they're excited to go to college, they're excited to party and drink or whatever, and then these, like, you know, guys in their 40s who are past all of that stuff, and they're just, like, and they, you know, kind of yearn for that feeling, but they can't have it and also they're like you know they're just you know they're unable to cope with their personal lives and yeah i just i don't know all those elements i think are just so fascinating to me and the way that
0: the the, that this movie handles all of them real shame when you can't cope in copenhagen (laughs) (laughs) boo Tip waitresses, trivial, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but yeah, it is interesting, especially like even you know we're talking about this uh, film from Denmark, but we obviously live in the United States, where alcohol is still extremely pervasive in its own right. It's weird to think that like only a couple years before, like I was born, we had like a Spuds McKenzie, which are you aware of what this is? I've heard of it, but I have no idea what that is. It was the Bud Light sponsor that was literally just like one of those um, uh, bull terriers that is just dressed up with like sunglasses and like a party button down like Hawaiian shirt and he was the life of the party Spuds McKenzie. Yeah, I love his shirt. (laughs) I'm gonna be honest. (laughs) Makes you want a Bud Light, doesn't
1: it? It does not. Nothing on this earth could make me want a Bud Light. (laughs) That was a test. You passed... Truly, I appreciate I, that. I have water right next to me. Um.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, uh, but yeah, but yeah, this was like a character who, like, obviously was like, "Oh no, hey, we haven't hanging around in bikini babes or whatever. This is an adult drink." But it's like, but also, you're trying to get kids into it. It's a cute sure. dog who's selling beer. They're inherently going to be attracted to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that this movie gets, which is kind of, you know, a universal kind of thing, is especially like that scene I mentioned at the bar later on where it's like a really messy night. It, it really kind of reminded me of my absolute nightmare, which is drunk people at a bar, just being around them, like just being around super drunk people, like at a restaurant or a bar or something is just my nightmare <laughs> because like just the way that they're acting where it's just like, obviously like they just have no filter and are just not like, just don't give a shit about anything. And it's just,
0: one of those things that i'm just like oh my god like you just uh you know i'm not the most social person either but at the same time i like a fun night at a bar you know no sure i think there yeah. can be like a fun to that but i agree with you when it's like just overcrowded like i'll just say this much um one of the times i have gotten the most drunk was when i was at fsu go Knowles, uh <laughs> and uh when i went there uh the night that we won the championship in 2013 which is one of the most beautiful displays I've ever seen of just a wide variety of drunks like truly and we all were there and we all were very happy and exhaustive people were literally going into like the middle of the the highway and like high-fiving in like the median as people were stopped like it's it was like a magical night of all of us being all different shades of fucking blasted (laughs) I think there's something to that. (laughs) But but what you're describing, though, is, like, the ending of the movie, which is very
1: celebratory and almost, like, is very cathartic. But, like, that night is just kind of, like, my nightmare of just, like, drunk people who are just far too drunk and have had way too much and are just, like, you know, being, like, way too friendly and
0: just, like, that kind of thing. I had nights like that as well, <laughs> especially in college. I had so many nights like that were fucking awful. That's the thing: is this movie? I think does a really great job of displaying like what alcohol can really be, which is just like it's this tool, and how often you use it will very much affect how you know your night will go. I think one of the the better scenes that displays this is when Thomas Bill Larson comes back after they agree to stop drinking. Oh, and like, yeah. that's what I'm talking about with like the acting like that also Mads has a moment like that that leads to a hilarious pratfall at the end of it. Uh, <laughs> it it's the wall. But yeah, just like those two scenes do such a great job of displaying like how that can be a funny situation, or like the most, like awkward and oh. upsetting scene. possible. Yeah. That scene feels like it goes on for so
1: long, too. Yep. Like just like him walking like walking
0: in the room and just like stumbling everywhere. Yeah. Can I just also say about Thomas Bo Larson, the weird thing about seeing The Hunt and this movie one day after the other, it's so weird seeing him without that beard from The Hunt. Oh, he has a beard in The Hunt. I, I haven't seen The Hunt in so long. He has an amazing facial hair where it feels like I'm not sure if it's fake or the realest hair I've ever seen. Where it's just oh, like that.
1: Oh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's
0: a fascinating I mean, facial hair.
1: <laughs> it is. I kind of like the
0: look, though. Just like the longer hair, beard. Like, he looks. No, I love it. Which is why he almost was like unrecognizable to me when I first saw him again in another round.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like seeing him in this and like the celebration where he's like much, much younger is like he looks very similar in another round as he does in the celebration like he's just like much older and I yeah I had forgotten he was in the hunt that's huh interesting
0: but that guy yeah, I think is like so stellar in yeah. that scene I'm mentioning and just like throughout the movie like there's a great scene also that him and mad share that feels like one of the truest examples of like situations I've just been in where it's like you're around somebody who has had issues with drinking and then they offer you a drink and you're like let's not do it buddy oh let's stop yeah. that Like, I've I've had moments like that, um, where you're just like, you know what, hey, we don't have to be drunk right now, you know? We can just, like, be, like, on each other's level. And he's like, yeah, yeah. yeah." Like, I love that, too, that he's so agreeable, just like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Right, the the Mads is like, maybe we shouldn't do that. And he's like, no, yes, of course.
1: Like, of course, we shouldn't do that. Like, of course, yeah. Like, yeah." yeah. And just his whole thing of, like, his kind of plot line, I guess, which is a bit of, at least this is the way i read it of like it's how Mads mad's character could end up right cuz he's like divorced and he's like kind of lonely and just kind of you know not very happy and everything and it's kind of where mad's character is heading at least you can you can kind of see that um which i, I just love that they're kind of like last scene together where he's like i'm i'm rooting for you guys and like he's like um and also he's like you don't want this which is, like, such a devastating line, I think.
0: The You Don't Want This in particular, like, took me aback, honestly, yeah. when I watch it this time. That real kind of, like, awkwardness there, I think just, it's what I'm ta- what we were talking about earlier, of just, like, Vinterberg truly getting you immersed in this situation, especially for a movie that has very odd tonal shifts, especially for, like, a Western audience, where, like, yeah. if you're watching this, like, it truly does, like, go from... Oh, it's like a sad drama to this is a hilarious comedy with these right. guys are just being silly. The scene where they dance to like a, the sissy strut, that like jazz bit where they're in the house, yes. is like so raucous and charming. And you're like, these bros rule. I want to yeah. be bros dudes with rock. these guys. Dude's Rock! Exactly. This is a dude's it's, rock movie. <laughs> it is a dude's rock movie, but at, it's also at the same time a dude's hit rock bottom movie. Right, of which course. Which I think it is, is also. <laughs> right dudes sometimes don't rock what <laughs> right that dudes rock is much like drinking like it's an aesthetic it's a specific thing but like you got to do it right or else dudes don't end up rocking that's the real <laughs> twist of dudes rock
1: <laughs> i mean i lo- i think that's also the scene where like they're kind of discussing like let's go one step like further like i think it's like it's from point like seven i think is what they're at to like 1.2 or something like mm. insane like that and that's all that's a scene where mads is like i'm out like i'm i'm i have to get back to my because fa- it's after he him and his like family have gone on the on the canoe trip which is so oh. lovely and it's such a like, wonderful like beautiful especially like the a necessary sex scene
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's exactly what I but, like when I was watching this I immediately just thought of like that whole dumb sex scene argument because like it's not really titillating it's just it is sensual and it's very like sweet and heartwarming by the end of it where she, just, just shout out uh, Maria Bonevi, very underrated I think for this movie yes she's really great She really conveys, like, particularly in that moment where she's, like, crying, and she just mentions, like, it's because I've missed you. I've missed you. Yeah, it's been a long time, I think is, like, another thing she says. Right, it's been a long time since I've, like, really engaged with you. you. You get a true sense that she's a woman who has felt abandoned in her marriage. And then with, like, moments like that, or, you know, even, like, the restaurant scene, which is so fucking brutal. You get a full sense of, like, she's just been through so much, even if, like, all that's happened to her is, like, her husband's been distant. Like that really truly affects her in a way that feels very grounded and sad. Yeah, and also, I mean,
1: also like with with Nikolai's wife, rewatching this movie, I really got a sense of just like, oh my god, she has to deal with like, not just like her husband like being whatever. Like, I I I, I like that he is not like a bad husband in the sense of like he like she's like, oh, I have to like remember to get the fresh cod, and he's like, yep, getting the fr- fresh cod. like it's not it's he's not like shut up or whatever you know he's like it's not that their relationship is like
0: awful but it is like she's not like a nag and it's like am i right 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 yeah
1: but i but i like the the way that you can tell like she like is taking care of what like three kids is what they have like they have two toddlers and a baby and like you can tell just like oh she's had to like really deal with the household while he's been like you know working and dealing with his Whatever bullshit, like he has to go. Hanging through. out with his bros. Yeah, hanging out with the boys. I don't um, think she would
0: say the dudes rock in this
1: case. No, no. Um but yeah, I I mean, yeah, she she's also great in this movie.
0: Um Yeah, their home lives feel very authentic to me. Where yeah. like even sort of the I don't know who plays his kids, but that one particularly him when his son like comes across Mads oh. after he's like Fucking falling over on the bike and yeah. he has to like a bit drag him back home. Like, this was a great movie that like displays like, because obviously, with like drunk acting and sort of like when movies are about alcohol, it tends to be like Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas, where it's very performative and it's very much about like the misery of drinking versus like capturing instead like a much more relatable kind of low state makes it a lot. That's a way better PSA against drinking to me than like any like oh you're gonna like always fucking like crash your car if you have one sip of alcohol before sure, you drive anything it. like that right versus this is like I don't know, you're gonna look like a fucking idiot and everyone's gonna know you're an idiot <laughs> that's like and
1: so awful and like he really captures in that scene where he like the, his son like drags him to their house like this is gonna sound like i'm bragging here but like i don't really get hung over when i drink like to be honest like i, I just don't really doesn't happen to me <laughs> I get, like, a mild headache, and then I just, like, have, like, I eat something and I'm fine. But, like, it, him in that, in that, like, the very few times... I've been, like, hung over, like, once or twice where I had, like, a, a lot to drink. And it, he captures, like, one, like, that thing of, like, you wake up and you're still kind of drunk a bit. And, like, that's when him and his wife have that really big argument where he, like, throws, like, the dishes, I, I, I believe. But also just how, like... Exhausted and like drained of like life, he is after the, after drinking, where he just looks dead, and like it I
0: just really captures that like really well to me. That factor where it's just it's embarrassing to yeah. be as drunk as you are, especially when like you're a youth still, Brian, in terms of the hangovers. Oh, get you. ready, <laughs> that happens a lot more <laughs> as you get even a little bit older. I don't know who I'm talking about, but um. <sighs> But as when these guys are all like, what their median age is like forty two, yeah, like something like that, they're all just like when you get that drunk at that age, this isn't charming, sure at all, right? Right now, right? <laughs> well, because we see like you know w- with
1: the the kids, like we like it's very fun, it's and it's like you know a party, it's very like jovial and everything, and yeah, having that contrasted with like these guys is such a great like. It, it, it's a great element of this movie and I think it, it's it's Vinterberg like he does a, a, all that stuff really well like speaking of just contrast like Kursk is a movie that has a really great like contrasting beginning and end scenes that really like fit like bookend well together and yeah he's he's just really great at that kind of stuff and I, yeah I love it I just remember the scene this is when they're on their kind of like final like bender when they're in the grocery store <laughs> Which is one of the most just, like, oh my god, what are you doing? Like, scenes where they're, like, looking for the cod, and they're just, like, knocking everything over. Like, that also is just, like, just what a nightmare to have to, like, deal
0: with those people. (laughs) But, you know, we're kind of dancing around, Brian. Like, your background right now is a a shot from the ending. We want to probably talk about that extensively. So before we get to that, any other stuff... About uh, another round, we haven't really talked about. You want to shout out?
1: Um, well, this is to do with, not with the movie itself, but with the the title, which it's called "Another Round." The original title in in Danish is uh, "druk," which I yes. looked it up and is a term in Denmark that means binge drinking. Which right. I just think that that's a great title. Um, I'm really inter- I, I I'm becoming more interested in like looking up what the original title of movies were in like their native land, but no yeah i don't know what about you you got anything else besides besides the ending
0: um well i mean we should probably talk about like one element of this movie we haven't really talked about is kind of uh, what unfortunately happened during the production of it vinterberg oh, right mm-hmm. right yeah if you're unaware um thomas vinterberg uh had a daughter uh named ida who was slated to play mickelson's daughter in the movie which that got changed to two boys uh, because uh, four days into filming, uh, Ida was tragically killed in a car accident like, 19. So, obviously that really affected the movie and kind of, it, you know, it became more of, like, a life-affirming thing by the end of it. And I think that's interesting, especially considering, like, kind of this mixed bag we're talking about. I didn't know that backstory going into Another Round the first time, but seeing it again, knowing that, like, that actual production element of it, uh, which I don't think I found until around t- the time of the Oscars it feels a lot more like a movie about somebody kind of mourning, truly. Uh, Not just, like, an actual person, but just, like, life in general at this point. Yeah, I think the the kind of, not twist,
1: but the kind of turn this movie takes of, like, even for, like, the first two-thirds, or, like you said, like, it's a, a balance of, like, this is fun, this is jovial, but also you're getting a real sense of, like, these guys being very depressed and very, like, you know dejected and wanting to shut out life around them right right and like but the kind of turn that this takes in like the last act of like really hammering like the the tragedy and the kind of the 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 more upsetting elements of the movie is yeah it's very palpable and i i i remember when he i think when he won uh when he won the Oscar, he gave, like, a really, really beautiful speech, like, about, like, mentioning his daughter and everything, yes. which is... But, yeah, I mean, that element is very much there, especially in that last act, and it it doesn't feel like it is, it is like, a last-minute correction, like, in the script or anything like that. It feels of like a very natural progression of, like, where this is going and what the movie is trying to say, and it, it is weirdly life-affirming, <laughs> even though it is still a yeah. very depressing movie about, like
0: sad boys (laughs) right no exactly i think yeah especially all the stuff with the kids like i think i love all of the the kid actors not i mean not kid they're all like what 17 18 teenagers yeah right they're all like late teenagers um and you know the whole thing is like this is taking place over the course of like the post christmas through like graduation in may yeah kind of period and it does such an interesting job of, like, conveying, you know, that these kids are, like, you know, interacting with these adults and they feel, like, you know, initially very distant, then become, like, the role models almost after a certain point. And then, like, all this stuff with Larson dying, which we haven't really mentioned. But, uh, you know, which is that's so beautifully done, too, with, like, him, like, taking his dog out to the pier getting on the boat, putting on the life jacket. He, like, starts to put it on, and then, like, at a certain point, you can
1: see him just go, like, ah, fuck it, and just, like, throws it on the ground. Yeah. And, and, I yeah, I love the way it's handled of, like, we don't see his death, we don't see his, like, body or anything, we just see, like, him on the boat, and then cut back to it, and then it's just the dog on the boat. And it's so, yeah, it's so tragic, and yet it doesn't feel like it is doing the thing that you can feel another, a lesser movie do of, like, Making it this like big dramatic moment or whatever, this big tragic moment where one of the characters dies. It, it's very like life. It, it doesn't really try to d- dramatize it in any in any way. I don't think. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I, I love one of the. I just I just thought about this, but like one of the scenes earlier where they're like on one of their like benders at night and they're like talking about like teaching and they're like. Oh well, these kids are they'll they'll remember us like when they leave, and then another one's just like, no, they'll forget us like the moment they walk out of those doors, and then like the shot just like holds on them for just sitting there for a, for a minute. I don't know. I mean, I guess this is us getting into a bit of a bit of the ending here, but like the ending is kind of not that really like it is this like coming together moment of like the teachers and the, and the students having like this really like this like celebration, this like party, uh, which is so so great. The ending of this movie, this this kind of last, like, scene or two might be one of my favorite I've seen in, like, years. Like, even, like, I, I had thought about it, like, so often, like, in, in the past couple of years after I saw it. And it's just... It firmly
0: established itself as, like, one of the great endings of yeah the you know, 2020s, very early in that run. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. For sure, yes. And just, I mean, the song, like, the What a Life song... uh which is not a song i i don't think it's made for this movie but it was the way it's used in this movie i think is really really perfect it's a perfect song because it is like this perfect like euro pop song that you would absolutely like expect these like teenagers to be listening to And, like, if you actually listen to the song, it is is a very, like, modern song with all these, like, weird, like, hip-hop, like, ad-libs and whatever. And it's, like, kind of trashy, like, it's a trashy pop song, but it is so much fun. And it really captures, like, the essence of, like, that final scene, I think.
0: If you had told me, going into another round, that, like, it would be this interesting, complex meditation on humans' relationship to alcohol, and then also told me it ends, like, the ending of Caddyshack... I would have scoffed at you. But that's kind of what I love about this ending is that it's just like after like you know we had like our laughs, we had our tears, we went through so much after all this and just the build up of it where it's like after obviously the funeral when they go to like the one restaurant they're like, "Nah, fuck, let's go to this other place." It's like over by the pier and they go there and they have like a really like what looks like a great lunch, truly. Like a, oh, yeah. a wonderful like sunny afternoon lunch, and then those kids come in those party buses, and then they see. And I love the fact that like, the moment they see like Mads and all of them, they're just like,
1: "Oh shit, like, yeah, yeah,
0: you're all here." And then <laughs> yeah, just the all the dancing, so much great. And Mads in particular, his whole thing, like every move, I'm just like, this is done perfectly. You could, you're the only person who could look this great doing this dumb dancing. Like the dancing is so like silly and like yes. dumb
1: and it, it's very much like if i saw like i don't know my uncle like dancing like that it would be like oh god like can we can we get out of here like you know but because it's mads Smickelson who is just one of our great actors i think it it is so incredible and it's such a great like physical like performance there where he's just really like letting everything loose and oh we, we should also kind of mention like this is in but this is cut in between like uh we talked about like the the the, like, lunch scene he has with his wife, they're kind of separated at that point. And then right. Uh, right before the kind of dance sequence, they're kind of texting, which that also is great, like, the way that they're handling the text. That's works. part so of like, the great buildup the- of all this, yeah. But This is yep. all going
0: on. And mostly like- the intertitles, and, like, Mad's looking down, intertitle, Mad's kind of, like, smiling a bit more. Like, he <laughs> kind of grinches his way to a giant smile. <laughs> just particularly when it's just, like, I miss you too. Mm-hmm. A lot. The A lot just yeah. like so perfect. It's what it just a, that igniting Mads into like his dance is like perfect. One of the great sort of cinematic text chains. Yeah, I think this whole ending
1: just feels it feels so cathartic. Like I feel like we often think of cathartic endings as like I don't know, I'm trying to think of like like you know, the ending of Midsummer is a very popular one for the from like the past few years where it's a very cathartic ending, but it's very violent and i feel like a lot of endings people view cathartic are very like violent endings where like someone gets their revenge or whatever but this just feels like a cathartic ending in that it is like someone really like just letting loose it captures so much in like in just a dance right like it reminds me of like the ending of um claire denise uh which has a great dancing ending i don't know if you've seen that movie but like it's a, no. a, a Oh, incredible like person dances at the end um i think i've seen
0: this clip i have just not seen this whole movie oh sure yeah 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 but yeah i, I what an ending <laughs> and especially down to like your background is really the freeze frame ending this movie yes. makes a freeze frame ending work something that is often parodied about like 80s comedies and shit where it's just like high five uh then we go to the credits and everything of like it but it's just it, it doesn't it so well like like i said so much of this feels like it would be the ending of like a very crass american comedy But then, Mm -hmm. like, as it's done here, it's, like, you mentioned, it's, like, very life-affirming, it's very jovial, even just, like, how the other guys are dancing, where they're dancing more like dads, (laughs) kind of, like, behind (laughs) Mickelson. It's, like, so wonderful in the contrast. And I love the fact that when we see them initially, like, at this funeral, they all do just look, like, healthier than they did previously. They don't look as, like, sluggish and bloated. And it feels just like, yeah, you know, we've really cleaned ourselves up, so now we can fucking just have fun using alcohol as, like, a solid, you know, social lubricant, as it should be used. I don't know, when Mads just kind of, like, gets into it, a great, just, like, ah, oh,
1: fuck it, like, like great, just, like, release ending. And just, like, the way, I don't know, the way it's shot is so great, too, where it's all these, like, handheld camera, it's this handheld camera that's just going, like,
0: in between, like, people, and, like, around people. It's free-floating kind of thing, and yeah. You feel like you're dancing with Mads and his friends, and you know what? Who wouldn't? amongst us want to do such a thing absolutely i mean oh god i'm i'm watching it again right now as we speak and just like
1: <laughs> the way he jumps over the bench and just like lands there is so incredible and i just look he he this is a, a really great performance for all the things that we've mentioned of like it's a very dramatic performance it's a very like nuanced performance but this just ending of just it, it is a great showcase for mads mickelson and just him being Incredibly compelling and incredibly just like I, I imagine if someone has, has like watched this movie and did not know about Mads mickelson like you would fall in love with him like forever because this yeah. ending is just so incredible and he he gives like every he's his all in this ending. Yeah, I, I also I love the shot where like they're like pouring champagne on him and he's like running through the champagne. Yes. And as it's like pouring on him. It's yeah, it's just so incredible. Um What would you say
0: is your favorite specific dance move that he does
1: in this ending? Oh man. I love idea. <sighs> I love all I know I love all of it. I don't know. Let
0: me let me let me for rewind me, it one more time. <laughs> yeah you go. <laughs> I mean for me it's definitely it's the bit where um he's like kind of moving with his drink in his hand like this That's, that might back be my, and forth yeah. with his legs especially because like that feels the most like you know the kind of thing like i've gotten to that kind of drunk a point where i feel like my limbs are a bit looser and longer yes and yes. they actually are and it's just like and he just pulls it off so fucking well like a move anyone else would look dumb to him like that or the bit where he like claps his hands and then shimmies like yeah <laughs> it's so good the thing and i think i think about it i love about
1: this like dance sequence at the end is how much it feels very loose right and obviously it's him kind of drunk acting a bit but like there's such an effortless quality to this like dancing that i think like i I don't know i feel like another actor would would try to make it more like pop in a way but this just feels truly like seamless like a seamless just like dance just celebrating life and just kind of like finally I don't know like not like wanting to get back to your life which is such a like beautiful thing that I think this movie does and yeah the, the freeze frame at the end is so great of him diving into like the harbor <laughs> it's just
0: yeah it's so great an ending that literally could have just had Rodney Dangerfield come out and say hey everybody we're all gonna get laid and then the ending would happen it wouldn't be that different
1: It is one of those endings, though, that I just constantly will
0: just watch on YouTube, just, like, that clip. Yes. Um, and I, I played think- the game where I I love the song, obviously. I agree with everything you said about the song. But at the same time, it goes over well like, so many other fucking, like, songs. At the yeah. same time, it's just, like, <laughs> it's so universal. You just, like, because I think because the choreography, like we mentioned, is so clearly, like, it, it's there. There definitely was, like, this sort of plan out, but it feels like he's just improvising because it's right. so natural
1: <laughs> yeah it, it feels like he's improvising and yet it feels like it is like this obviously because of there's so many camera movements and everything like it's clearly like orchestrated but yeah there's that there's effortlessness that i just think is so is so wonderful i love mads michelson so much <laughs> i just think he's
0: so great it, it really makes me even like feel more upset when mads is in hollywood movies and more often than not they just use his face it's just like we got the guy for like his sure mug. well that's like Doctor Strange right Doctor Strange 100% is that even to a certain degree Indiana Jones but I think he has fun but like a bit that I still think about is when at one point he says like I'm not going back to Alabama yes. <laughs> which yes. is like the best line reading of that whole movie
1: in his very like Danish accent <laughs> <laughs> But I yeah, I love like he's great in Rogue One, I think. Like I think he's very good in that movie and is very
0: very hot, but also very
1: just one of the best scenes in that movie is the
0: opening bit between like the face of between him and Mendelssohn. It's I'm like so well of, done. Two of my favorite boys in this entire in, in all of, of Hollywood. <laughs> When's Mendelssohn gonna oh, do his man. drunken movie?
1: <laughs> God, I love Ben Mendelssohn so much and he also just does like a lot of garbage. Like, no offense, but he's, like, you know, he got caught up in the Marvel thing, and, like, you know, he was not that Robin Hood movie, remember
0: that? Ugh. He's my, f- I know we disagree on this movie, but he's easily my favorite thing about Ready Player One. Oh, he's very good on Ready Player One. Right, especially performing, like, my dream. Honestly, I want to put this out more into the universe. I've said this elsewhere, but I really want Ben Mendelsohn to play Vince McMahon in a WWE movie. Because <laughs> that's basically what his performance in fucking Ready Player One is. He's basically playing Vince McMahon.
1: (laughs) I can see that. I can see that. Oh, man. Yeah. I have a very complicated relationship with that movie for obvious reasons, but I I ultimately do like... Is there a lot going into that? (laughs) Yeah. But I do like that movie. Um, But, um, I I mean, no, like, the thing about Matt. to get back to, like, Mads for a second, like, I I like when, I love when he pops up in Hollywood movies because, like, he, he can do it. And he's very good, like, you know, I would not say he's bad in Doctor Strange by any means. It is, like, yeah, that the movie just kind of wants to use him for him, not really give him a lot to do. But I think he works in, like, in Casino Royale. I think he's really, really great. And, you know, he's even great in, like, um that fucking, that movie with, um, where Willem Dafoe plays uh, Vincent Van Gogh. Oh, at Eternity's like, Gate? Yes, yes. He's very good in that. He has, like, one scene. Um, I think he's, like, the priest. And I've never seen the Pusher movies, but I I feel like I should now even more since we're kind of talking about Mads. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely the...
0: Refn is interesting, especially... Have you ever seen Bahala Rising? I haven't. That was another one I also wanted to see. That movie is, like, it's so simple, but it's also... It's one of these, like, you know, it's a Viking gory epic that's 93 minutes long. Um, sure. <laughs> and it's mostly just make Mickelson fucking being like a Viking warrior dude who just destroys people. Hell yeah! What more do you want out of destroy seven? me, Mads? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Step on me, Mads. <laughs> yes. <sighs>
1: <sighs> no, but I, I love when he pops up in Hollywood movies because he's he's great, and I just love whenever like whenever he does pop up in something, there are people who like are not like freaks like us where we kind of like you know we watch. A bunch of movies and who are like who is that guy he is like really like you know he's so striking that like i love him in in that stuff i love him in like small movies like this and i love yeah i, I just love everything he does he's he's great um put him in death stranding too, kojima uh i think he i, I don't remember what happens to him at the end of that game
0: that's a it's a weird game but um <laughs> trivia that was the game that I got right before my PS4 conked out. I literally like, had the game and then I was trying to play it and my my PS4 has this problem where like it'll just I can never play anything with the disc cuz it'll eject out. Sure. Mhm. That problem, but I tried fixing it. I did eject button and the power button at the same time <laughs> multiple times. It doesn't work after a certain point, guys.
1: Well, look, I mean, if there's any incentive, I think he appears in the beginning of the game in, like, these, like, POV flashbacks. Many of them are him looking at you, going, like, you're from the perspective of—this is very complicated, and I swear it makes sense in the game—of a baby in a pod, and he's going, he's, like, going, like, my baby— and he's like you know holding you in his arms like this and it's 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 great it's a great incentive enough to play that game but um
0: (laughs) in conclusion we want mads to be our daddy absolutely that's exactly what we all want at the end of the day that's what we all want um but you know what let's uh let's wrap up on another round brian go ahead your final thoughts on another round um
1: i i love this movie so much um and I'm I'm glad that we discussed it, I think, because it is, of course, like, I, I just feel like a lot of those movies from 2020, like, some of them I just don't think about that often anymore, but some of them I, I think about, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a really great movie, and I just, like, my, you know, I pandemic brain, like, I just completely, like, you know, all of, like, the, to, like, uh, to mention other one like, the Small Axe movies came out in 2020, and, like, The Empty Man, like, just all these, like, great movies that are kind of, like not lost to time but just lost to this like weird point in time where everyone was just, you know, whatever. But um <laughs> I I think this movie's I I'm also just glad because I got to really explore more of Winterberg's philography. I think he's really great at just character drama and bringing you into people's lives and just showcasing how their what their lives are like. And I think that that's such an interesting, uh, an interesting way that he explores that. And I, I don't know. I I just really love this movie and how it ex- it explores just all of the ideas of alcohol, and you know, like you said, like the relationship between people and alcohol, but also just just toxic masculinity, sad, dejected men. But it, again, wraps it up in this very life-affirming package, which I was not expecting this movie to end in a very life-affirming way. And for it to just make me like want to dance like Mads Mikkelsen <laughs> on a on a bench. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love it. I love it even more having seen it again. Um, you know, I think Mads Mikkelsen, it's one of the best performances I've seen in, a, in, in the 2020s so far, I think. And yeah, I just always, he's one of those actors where I will watch almost anything he is in, even if it looks like shitty, Uh, like that, like Pol- Polar. Do you remember that movie Polar, where he has like a, like an eye patch? Yes. I've heard it's yes. like terrible, but I kind of want to see it for him because he is just immensely compelling. And like, he really can do, you know, a lot. I mean he could do so much where he can be like we mentioned menacing and really scary in something like Hannibal and he can be really charming and hot in everything he's in. <laughs> <laughs> or he can be including h- Hannibal, including Hannibal of course. <laughs> um because they're gay. That's the thing of the show.
0: Come on. Um <laughs> that sounds like a real fanable take right there. Remember when that yes. term existed? <laughs> yes.
1: But like like you mentioned like this kind of gives like another round gives like every flavor of Mads. And I think that that's a really great point where he is just very good at comp- at playing these characters that are very like uh, internal, right. And they're just mm. in their heads. They're not, you know, he's not very, mm. it's funny that you evoked like Nicolas Cage cause they're so different, right. Nicolas Cage is like a very big actor and Mads is not really that. I mean, he's very nuanced. He's very subtle. There, there's just so much about him that I, I love. And, um, yeah, I, I love, I love this movie and I could talk about it even more for hours because I just, I think it's great, but I will, I will leave it there. Um,
0: yeah. What about you, Thomas? I mean, I agree with everything you said. I love this movie. I think it's, it's definitely one of the better movies of like this weird sort of new period that we talk about on the show, Mm -hmm. um, from 2020 forward. And I think what's, um, What's so fascinating about it is, like we mentioned, like, it has such weird tonal shifts and it makes, you know, has incredibly funny moments. Like, there's just a bit I love where um, uh, Mangus um, is like, they're all at that teacher conference where initially we find, like, we found some alcohol and we think it might be the children are sowing this away because they banned alcohol at the start of this school period. And just the shot of him where he's, like, covering his mouth, just like, oh... Where he's like, he's, yelling, he's like, oh shit, is it like, are we caught? Right, but oh, he's yeah. hiding it with his hands. He's like, oh <laughs> yes. But yeah. like can have moments like that, but then also really, like, devastating bits. Like, the bit at um, uh, Thomas Bo Larson's funeral where the kids sing.
1: Oh like my a, gosh, yes.
0: <sighs> what, what a wonderfully, beautifully, like, sad moment. And I think, honestly, the reason I, I think I have sort of more of this, like, affection for this movie is... I'm going to get a bit personal here. I'm not going to go into extreme detail. Um, a friend of mine who I knew from college uh, had a drinking problem. Uh, you know, I, I hung out so much with them; they were one of my dearest friends, but there were points where they had really bad nights that I was privy to, where I had a couple drinks and they had a bit too many. And that was a constant struggle with them to the degree that they died very young. You know, they just they went out drinking and there was a point where they didn't come back. And I feel like this movie does such a great job of kinda of capturing the weird mixed feeling I have with alcohol because of my relationship with that person. Where I I I do have that kind of like I've seen how far alcohol can go, and I can see how it could, you know, take somebody I truly like love dearly. But at the same time, I have a lot of fun memories of getting drunk with right. them. Yeah. I have all because we were, you know, friends in college this whole time, so we had a lot of fun memories of us doing just dumb shit while we were drinking, or even post-college. One of my favorite memories with that person was when we saw, like, Rogue One, and then we got drunk and, like, played cards and sang dumb songs together. That kind of thing. So, I think it's a movie that captures, really, that kind of, you know, that mixed feeling of just, like, alcohol because it's this tool, this social lubricant. Um, It can be very beneficial, and it can be very, like, detrimental completely to you. It's, you know, just how you... How you have that relationship with this thing that really matters? And I think this movie captures that wonderfully all the way down to like it's fucking like I said one of the great endings, absolutely of movies oh, yeah. in recent memory. Truly, the main reason I would recommend this to anybody, especially if you have sort of an issue, even if you have an issue with you know foreign films with subtitles, this like transcends any language barrier, ten inch barrier, man. I think yes. I think about that
1: all the time. Um, no, yeah, absolutely. I I, I think I would I would kind of say this is a a very good, uh, kind of first foreign film for, for some people. I mean, despite kind of it being a bit upsetting, I think it's like a very good, just dramatic film as a whole. And like, of course, like also the the themes are universal and everything, all of that stuff. But I think like, yeah, it is just a great story and a great, like just the way it's told is really great. Um, also, you reminded me of a scene we didn't talk about, but where the, speaking of the the kid with the glasses, where he, like, holds his hand when they're, like, doing, like, I forget what they're doing, but he holds uh, Tommy's, like, hand, and yes. it is just such a fucking, ugh, oh, it just gets, that moment gets me so much. Um, but what an ending. I, I literally, every time I have watched this movie, I watched the ending, like, three times, where I just, like, rewound it, like, like one more time, let's go, let's just watch it one more
0: time. <laughs> Um, you, you watch it a couple times and then you're like I should watch this after with a drink so you watch it a couple times sure. while you drank <laughs> that drink
1: oh yeah yeah
0: well on that note I think we're, we're done talking about another round well the the bars closed on another round yeah last I round can safely say last round well last round because of course we got to do our segment that we do every single episode between the lines <laughs> So, Between the Lines is a segment where Brian and I uh, recommend another film that's sort of related to the movie that we're talking about in some way, or maybe could be an alternate pick for like an end for new kind of thing. So, Brian, you go ahead and go first. What is uh, your pick for Between the Lines this week?
1: Yes, I I wanted to go with another kind of another international film uh, that also won at the Oscars uh, from the next year. And I am picking Drive My Car from uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi, uh, which is based off a uh, Haruki Murakami book. And it is a film about a theater director who his wife tragically passes away very suddenly, and he is also putting on a production of Uncle Vanya at the same time. That's all I'll say, actually, because I think this is a masterpiece, and I think this is one of the great films of the decade i think it it will definitely be in that discussion it is three hours long (laughs) but it it is so compelling and so beautiful and i i think everything about this movie is so heartbreaking and yet kind of life-affirming in a similar way to another round where um he 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 gets to uh, where he's doing the theater production, and he ha- he is told that he cannot drive his car, and someone else will drive him back and forth from uh, his residence to the the theater. And it, it just reveals itself as a a genuinely great film about grief. And I know that that, like, I said that, and it sounded like, you know, everyone's,
0: like, rolling their eyes, but, like... Three-hour grief movie. Three-hour grief. That's what they're all doing at home.
1: (laughs) This movie does not feel like three hours to me, really. I mean, obviously, it is is long. It is a very long movie. It is pretty slow, I would say, but I think once you become immersed in it, it just goes. And it is a really beautiful movie. Um, The way that this movie is shot... I think is just unbelievable where there are these like really wonderful ways that like he is shooting the driving like, and it's not like he's shooting it like an action scene, but it's just these like really wide shots and just the car, which is this incredible, incredible car. It's a red uh, Saab Turbo 900. Uh, if any, if you don't know what the, the car looks like, look it up. It's just a really incredible looking car like from a visual standpoint yes and it looks incredible i think it's a really great movie about not just grief but also just the creative process and art and you know art meeting meeting life and just balancing those two things but also great vibes weirdly enough like there's a (laughs) wonderful scene where people two people just smoke cigarettes Um, outside of like a sunroof and it is just so incredible. Um, And uh, also has a lot of really funny moments as well. Like I, I I love there's a scene at a dinner, which I really love, which is great. Um, But um, anyways, sorry. Uh, Yeah. I, I really love this movie. It is a movie I, I saw in theaters and I just thought like, wow, that's really great. And I have just kept on thinking about it for the past few years And in the way that it truly does cope with the idea of grief in a way that I've just, uh, it doesn't hit as hard for me in other movies as this, like this really hit hard for me in a way I just wasn't expecting. And in a way that I think is just absolutely incredible. If I'm being a bit vague here, I think I I would love the movie to just speak for itself because it is just an incredible movie. Um, and I think that everyone should see it. And, um, you know, it's currently streaming on Max, which I'll be honest, feels a bit sacrilegious watching it. Like I was, I was a bit disgusted with myself watching this G- getting through that
0: <laughs> ugly ass interface to get yes. to drive my car.
1: Right. Just watching this like incredibly moving,
0: like masterpiece on like Max. To be fair, it was HBO Max at the time. That when is When that true. was, that it was true. still HBO Max. It was, it was still in the house on days. People forget back in twenty twenty two when <sighs> HBO Max was a really good streaming service. It was. It was one of the oh my god, one of the best streaming service. And like
1: a a great like interface and like just oh god, Max is such a piece of shit. Um <laughs> but please do not be deterred. This movie is absolutely incredible. Some incredible performances that are just so human and so uh, I I don't know, th- Like this movie really cuts deep for me in a way that I, I, I was not expecting, and in a way that I don't really connect with. Like I don't connect with movies about grief as, as much, personally. But this is one of the ones that I think just really stuck with me. Um, has a great ending, great music as well. Uh, drive My Car, also a great Beatles song, which, completely unrelated, the two. Come but, um, on, baby, Drive My Car. <laughs> yeah. Beep, 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 beep. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yes, have you seen this movie? Have you seen Drive My Car?
0: I've seen Drive My Car and I like Drive My Car. okay. I don't love Drive My car. but then again, I do have the weird thing where I was gonna see in a theater at, at an art theater in Michigan when I was visiting Adam, former host of Devil Edge Double, Double Bill. Um, and then I found out like up in Michigan uh, that like that place is located in downtown Detroit where a shooting had happened a week prior. Oh. So it was like, how about I don't do that? And then I watched it on HBO Max, um, so it might not have been R&B. the most ideal circumstances. I made sure, you're like, I had my phone off. I was like, I'm really going to get sucked into this. And I quite wasn't, but I would still be willing to give another shot. I still liked it. I agree with you. The cigarette Shot, in particular, I do think about a lot. That's a beautiful shot. It's an incredibly well-directed movie. Um, in fairness, that was the Oscars of worst person in the world, Right? I believe so. Right. It was in competition, I believe, Let with me... Drive My Car. Yes. We had that. Yes. Uh, Flea, that
1: like the animated film, uh, The Hand of God, the Paolo Sorrentino movie, and then a movie called Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom, which I have not heard about, but I'm glad that it was nominated for Best International Film. I
0: was supposed to say my favorite's probably Worst Person in the World, but I still liked Drive oh, yeah. My Car. I, for me, at least, they're very close to each other. I think they're, those are mm-hmm. both.
1: Some of the best films of the decade so far. That's actually now that you mention it, that's a, a bonus recommendation. What's the worst person in the world? Because I wonderful movie, beautiful yes. movie. Yes, one day we will talk about uh, Joachim Trier, who is one of my top three directors working today.
0: A movie that made me feel uncomfortably seen. I <laughs> a
1: quick story here. I saw that movie <laughs> mo- most of the times I see movies, I see them like weekday in like the daytime. So like, there's not a lot of people there. And, like, if it is, it's, like, old people, you know, or whatever. I, I saw The Worst Person in the World by myself in the theater. And I was so happy that I was the only one because I was
0: bawling for the entire runtime. <laughs> so I was really happy that I was the only one in the theater. I'm going to go ahead and do my pick now. And uh, my pick is, uh, in a similar vein, um, a 2020 Mads Mikkelsen-starring Danish film. Uh, that I literally finished right before we started recording this podcast. It's called Riders of Justice from a director, Anders Thomas Jensen. And basically, uh, it's this movie uh, in which we follow Mads, who is this guy who at the very beginning, he is a soldier who's uh, served in Afghanistan. And he's coming back home while his uh, wife and his daughter are uh, taking the train uh, to go see him you know, return. A horrible accident happens on this train, leaving the mother dead and the daughter alive, but still very shaken. And um, one of the other people who was on that train, who we initially kind of follow at the opening part of the movie, puts everything down into, like, a form of statistics. So, yeah, at a certain point, this guy who was on the train, who's a statistics guy, comes over to Mads' house with some of his buddies who also work, Like one of them is the facial analyst guy, and one of them uh, is, like, a hacker who can, like, hack into things. Um, And uh, they're all just like, hey, you know what, Um, we're... Bring this up, like, we might have been a hit because the other person who was on this train was like this leader of the biker, the titular Riders of Justice. Um, and uh, yeah, so it becomes this revenge movie a bit, but also in the process, what I love about this movie because it's also a comedy, strangely, despite how like Hmm. dark and sort of death wishy this all sounds. There's a great sort of like dude's rock quality to this movie as well, yes, because our four pack of these (laughs) great Danish lads it's just so charming to see them all like they're very different personalities and they all come together and they all kind of like try and disguise the fact that they're doing this from Mads' uh, daughter, particularly like the the one guy who basically acts as like, oh, he lies and says like, oh, I'm a psychologist. Um, because the daughter is having these issues where it's like, oh, Mads, my dad is like getting too deep into like his violence because of his soldier past and all this other stuff. He's had a history of violent tendencies. And so uh, he's, she's like, oh, you're actually seeing an analyst. That's great, but then that guy tries to like give her analysis about just like oh how she's dealing with death and stuff like that. So it's this weird, like, kind of comedic but also very unsettling kind of angle to all of this. And uh, I think there's some great action sequences. Uh, there's I, I want to really shout out my particular favorite of the ensemble, who isn't Mad. So obviously, look, Mad's is great in this movie. He has like a big beard, um, Hell yeah. and he's mostly bald. As well, the other guy besides Matt, who I love, is uh, Nicholas Bro, who was also in War Horse, the facial analyst guy, and he's kind of like a bigger dude um, who has like this great like mustache. Uh, You wouldn't assume anything about him, but he ends up being kind of good with a gun. There's a whole scene where like he puts together a gun very quickly. It's like I just like assembling things, (laughs) and he's just like really fucking good somehow. Um, But and he has like so many great moments throughout the whole movie. But yeah, uh, Riders of Justice. It's on Hulu. As well, you can watch another round, then watch Rise. Just as a great Mads double feature.
1: Okay, I have not. Yeah, I have not seen this movie. Um, I remember when it came out, and I remember just again, it was a movie where I was like, I don't know anything about it, but Mads is in it, so I will. I I would like to see it, and I just I never did. Um, but I am looking at the cast list here, and I'm, one of the guys of Lars Brigman, has worked on a few of uh, Thomas Vinterberg's films. He was in Celebration and in. And in Kursk, so that's interesting. another interesting connection. Um, yeah,
0: he's very good in the movie as well. He plays the guy who's kind of like the, the hacker guy. Uh, he's, I can see that. Yeah. He's, he does a wonderful job at it, yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's go ahead and repeat our titles for everybody, Brian, uh, so they can add them to their watch lists and whatnot. Uh, yes, I had Ryusuke Hamaguchi's
1: 2021 film. One of his 2021 films. He released two
0: films in 2021, but uh, Drive My Car. And uh, I had the other 2020 Danish film starring Mad Mikkelsen you can now watch on Hulu, uh, (laughs) Riders of Justice. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap up here and just do uh, our exit. Uh, But we got a few people to thank before we head out of here, Brian. Uh, We got to thank Burial Grid for our music purchases, music at burialgrid.com. Thanks to Michelle Kyle for our artwork. Uh, find her at MishKyle96. Uh, we also want to thank our patrons, patreon.com slash cinema number two letter, where for just $1 a month, you all get to uh, vote for individual episode you know, topics out there uh, that we'll cover for the, f- the season. And uh, also listen to bonus podcasts. Like we would have already put out our The Critic Retrospective fairly recently. Also our, our big review roundup for uh, January of 2023, um, where you know we talked about a lot of the newer releases, and also uh, near the um, the end of February, our big bonus podcast for that will be our awards show, the Los Awards, which yeah. stands for, of course, Letters of Cinematic <laughs> <Yeah>. Excellence. <laughs> of course, <laughs> uh, an acronym that we settled on because we couldn't think of anything else. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you guys come up with something better. <laughs> we kept the acronym thing that was the important thing and you know speaking of the LoS awards i should mention uh the day after this episode comes out so on wednesday february 7th there'll be a call to action post uh for all the cineast patrons out there basically what we're asking for is just your top five movies from 2023 that you all saw and we'll uh, tabulate based on the top fives that we get uh the Top three that are most recurring, and then we'll have a poll come out in which uh, patrons will get to vote on the the Siniest Choice Award for the LoS Awards. We're calling it the Siniest Choice Award uh, for you know what you all declare to be the best movie 2023. So that call to action post will come out, and I uh, will just ask once again for your top fives to be posted in the comments, and uh, then yeah, we'll put get together a poll probably the the week after. And you all get to vote on what wins the Cineus Choice Los Award. Just thank you all once again Just for that one dollar. It really helps out the show when you become Cineus patrons. That's our nickname for you. Cineus. The true cinema lovers out there. For just one dollar a month. Um, but uh, you can find us, speaking of uh, Cinema number two letter, that's our social handle on places like Instagram, Blue Sky, Facebook, Twitter. <laughs> you know... All the great places that you love to be at. That makes society summer. a better place, really. Right, true. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter and letterboxes at And I also do some writing at uh, mariannithomas.wordpress.com and at film-cred.com, which I just want to shout out, um, I produced the show Film Cred Review. That's on Film Cred's Patreon. Uh, huh. For $1, you can listen to that and any other great stuff that they have on that Patreon. But I was the guest and I came from behind the mic um, to talk with Hiel Peralta um, about uh, January movies. Ooh. So we just kind of go through... Kind of inspired by The Beekeeper, truly. A movie <laughs> I still can't stop thinking about. Oi, <laughs> oi, oh. oh. Beekeeper. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so uh, you can listen to that. Hiel and I had a fun time discussing that. And also some news, like the SAG nomination and stuff like that. Fun time.
1: Uh, yeah. And I, I'm also... Still kind of on Twitter. You can follow me at uh, B-R-Y-A-N-D-R-A-D-E and the number three. Uh, or you can follow me on Letterboxd where I'm much more active and I'm, I am just made a, a Thomas Vinterberg list so you can see my my ranking for, for his films, the ones that I've seen at least. And uh, yeah, follow me on there.
0: And hey, you know what? Just shout out also on my Letterboxd, you can see my Mads Mickelson ranked list. Ooh. Which I recently created. That's a hot list. <laughs> It's so hot. You <laughs> truly just, I, I had to look away after I finished it. I couldn't stare too long into its beautiful eyes. But, uh, for more of us, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, you know, whatever platform you get your podcasts on. Uh, if you're listening on Talk Home Society, our great network, uh, why not listen to all the other great shows that are on the network, uh, like the Talk Film Society podcast, which we were recently on. Uh, Brian and I had a lot of fun. And uh, you can also dig into our archives and our Podbean main feed for, you know, all the episodes of Cinema to the letters so far, and the old double-edged double-bill stuff, a bunch of stuff you can uh, listen to on there. And, uh, you know, if you can't support us on the Patreon, that's cool, money can be tight for some people, but the free way to help us out is to rate, review, or simply share the show around to give us more visibility, to give us more, you know, audio drinking buddies. Make us audio <laughs> drinking buddies for other people. You know, podcasting is like you're hanging out parasocially with people you're not in a room with. And we'll all have a drink. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Cheers to you, Jeffrey. That's right, all you Jeffreys. I mean all of you. God, one person listening who's Jeffreys is like, yes! (laughs) cracking open a cold one. Uh, Well, on that note, Brian, we should at least tease our next episode. Uh, In our rotation, we're hitting the E for egregious. And we're entering into completely uncharted territory for either of us we'll be covering the 1952 Best Picture winner, The Greatest Show on Earth, from Cecil B. DeMille, one of the more apparently infamous bad Best Picture winners, per reputation, at least. Yes,
1: a movie I know absolutely nothing about, other than the clip I've seen in Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, which would, would lead me to believe that it's a masterpiece,
0: but um, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, even Sammy Fableman at a very young age, you know, you're easy to please at that point. Okay. All I know about this movie is like that bit, of course, the Spielberg lore, and also that Jimmy Stewart's in it, but like in a sort of he's the ant, as like oh, okay. apparently I think he plays like a clown at the circus. This all sounds great to me. And Jimmy yep. Stewart, he's a clown. I'm in. All I can't wait to watch all two and a half hours of it. It's yeah. a very long film, but which we'll talk about. Next time. But until then, everybody, you know what? Let's have a drink, Brian. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Let's get a drink.